If we keep on following the same pattern, Bitcoin should reach between 100,000 and, uh, and a million in next cycle, you know, and, uh, and possibly higher after that, you know, like so, so that is uh, quite bullish. Hello there. How are you all doing? Are you having a nice week? It's a beautiful sunny week here in Bedford. Absolutely loving it. It's nice to be back home. No travels until next month, but we are heading out to Nashville for the Lightning Conference at Bitcoin Park. We're also going to get a couple of days in Austin before I then head out to Argentina to make a film. Can't wait to get back out there. But anyway, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Iris Energy, the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got the big orange carrot back on the show. I've got Rational Root. Now, first spoke to Root in the UK back in August last year, where he laid out his case that Bitcoin was close to the bottom. Now, this was a really popular show, and so far he's been right. So while we were out in Miami, we knew he was out there. We asked him to come back on the show and answer the question everyone has been asking. When, moon, motherfucker. So it was a great show. Love talking to Root. Comes with slides, comes with receipts, comes with his awesome spiral chart. Go and check it out. Make sure you check out the YouTube version as well. So you can see all the charts that go with the show. Okay, if you've got any questions about this or anything else, then hit me up on my email. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Hello, you big carrot. How are you? Pretty good. Good to see you. It's good to see you, man. Um, so last time I saw you, you came to Bedford, which was uh, which was very cool. And you kind of called the bottom. More or less, right? More or less. How close were you? I mean... Um... Yeah, I think um, we were past the, the June lows then, right? Like we had the, this huge capitulation event in June. And um, I, I I don't exactly know when we recorded, but it was soon after, right? Like uh, I think it was in August. It was and, in August. Okay. And the low was maybe a month later. Yeah. Uh, but it was, I mean, we were pretty much there. No, the low, the, the final low we've had is has been in uh, November, right? So, um, is that right? Yeah. Was it really August? Yeah, I think so. Gosh, mm -hmm. such a long time since then. Um, it was good weather in Bedford. It was good weather in Bedford. I'm bringing the trophies with me now. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank yeah. Thank you. So, yeah. um, but you called the bottom. Look, we don't, we used to make, uh, shows about the Bitcoin numbers, about the charts. We used to do it with Willie and, uh, we stopped doing it because, we didn't want the show to be about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't mind making it with you because I think it's more about the data and what it's telling you. And so I found that last uh, show we made, I found it very, very interesting just because of the way you look at the data. It was really popular as well. and had a lot of great feedback. So uh, thank you for coming back on. Um, at the same time, I think today you're going to tell us about when moon, right? Well... Uh, I thought uh, to do a bit of a follow-up of the last show, so I uh, I kept most of the charts from the from the last show in there, and uh, I just thought let's uh, let's go through them again and uh, see what they tell us now. Um, so yeah, obviously, so we had the June low uh, back uh, back in August, and uh, that uh, that was in. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I think if I remember correctly, I said like that it was likely to have another low, potentially a new bottom, like uh, later that year. And, and that happened in, in, in November. So, so that was uh, kind of on point with the, the, the whole cycle analysis. And uh, yeah, I think if we look at the charts, uh, we, we will, uh, you, you will be quite amazed. It's, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm also gonna discuss some, some, some more bearish scenario, but, um, but in general, I, yeah, I do think it will, it will be 
a quite bullish session again. So, well. Awesome. Well, so it sounds like you're a cycle maximalist, a bit like Rizzo. <laughs> Pete Rizzo said that to me. He said, don't, don't give me any theories. Don't give me any of that nonsense. He said, I'm a cycle maximalist. It will always play out the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, for anyone listening, we, uh, we've got another presentation here from the carrot and uh, we will explain it as best possible so those listening can understand what we're talking about but also it would probably be worth going to check out the video on youtube if you really want to see the charts because we'll edit, we'll edit them in right yeah. mm-hmm. all right cool so where do you want to start man yeah we're going to start again with uh, with a spiral chart love this one i think mm-hmm. this is my favorite chart do you want me to hit, mm-hmm. hit it in yeah so if you haven't seen this chart uh well how would you explain it you'll do a better job than me well um if you say that the, the halving is the catalyst of, um, of each bull market, which kind of traditionally it has been in Bitcoin, um, you know, due to the supply shock a little bit caused by the halving, obviously that's kind of de- that the fact is diminishing, but, uh, but it still has been the catalyst for, uh, for each bull market. So, uh, so if we look, if we take the spiral and uh, we count in block time in, the, in, this, in this case, um, you know, each halving is 210,000 blocks, so uh, a full rotation in the spiral chart is 210,000 blocks, which is a little less than four years. And, um, and so if you, if you do that, uh, if you plot all the data points, then um, yeah, there are some, uh, some interesting observations that you can make. Uh, you know, in, uh, the, the all-time highs and the bottoms, they kind of fall at a similar point in time if you do that. And um, uh, yeah, Besides the fact that it, the kind of the beautiful thing about the spiral chart is that uh, without any model, it's uh, it's possible to uh, to see Bitcoin's price uh, spinning outwards. You know, like so uh, uh, so so you don't need any model to to see where Bitcoin's price is going. Uh, so if we you know if we keep on uh, following the same pattern, uh, you know, Bitcoin should reach between a hundred and a uh, hundred thousand and, uh, and a million in, 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 in next cycle, you know, and, uh, and possibly higher after that, you know, like, so, so that is uh, quite bullish. If it continues to play out the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like I'm with you, this is, I think it's such a super interesting chart. What I can't decide with the halving driving the cycle is, is there some economics to it or is it the narrative? It's also a bit of a narrative. I mean, uh, I think in the early days, the the effect of the halving was um, was obviously more intense, you know, like than than it is now. More now, I, that's why I like it to call it the the having hype cycle because there's also just a lot of hype around the having, which also obviously has an effect on price, um, and so it can still serve as a catalyst through this uh, narrative, right? Like so. Um, but, but, but yeah, indeed, um, but if we look a bit at the more, if we zoom out even a little further, if we look at a bit of the macroeconomic picture, we can kind of also see that Bitcoin followed uh, similar patterns to, for example, the, the S&P 500 or so. So, it's, um, so it's, it's not just that the having that it's we cannot not say that the having was the catalyst of each cycle bitcoin has been like i mean bitcoin came out of forward out of the 2008 financial crisis and so it it uh, and satoshi 
for some reason chose this four year period as a, as a, you know, to have these halvings and, and that kind of perfectly aligned also with, with the bigger macro picture. And so it's a, and, and we'll get to a chart as well uh, later to, to show that. And for the next cycle to fall between 100,000 and 1 million is quite broad. Mm-hmm. Why Why have you chosen those as the numbers so people understand? Well, that, that is just simply looking at, uh, you know, if we if we cross the 100, it seems like we're going to cross the 100,000 mark at least next cycle if we continue the same pattern. In the, in the, in the, uh, I, I actually don't think next cycle we will necessarily cross the, the million mark, you know, like that would maybe be for the cycle after that. But, uh, but it seems... Like it's kind of impossible to not go above a hundred thousand if we follow the same pattern in in this uh, in the spiral chart. And these red dots in the spiral chart are they the bottom? Yeah, those are the bottoms. Yeah. And they look to be within just a few blocks of each other. Yeah, each two hundred to ten thousand. If you go to the next uh, slide, we yeah, I draw I drew a line from from the center. And you can see that actually amazingly. And it, but this is in Bitcoin time, so it's in block time. Um, yeah, the, the all-time high from the last cycle and, and the current cycle, and also the bottoms from the last cycle and the current cycle, they are just like blocks apart, which is uh, quite astonishing, uh, you know, like, uh, but it, it was hard to predict this pattern because obviously the, the cycle before that was a little more shifted. So uh, I still think also that like, uh, cal- like, Using human time, like just uh, years and months, is, uh, is is in general better to look at the chart than in block time, um, because I mean people don't think in block time, right? So so it's um, but but it is it's still astonishing that 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 the all time highs and the bottoms fell nearly at the exact ma- same moment in, in in the cycle. And you know what, the one in the previous cycle is still fairly close, especially on the bottom. Yeah. Um, but to me, to me, that says this is more like a maturing market. You know, it's, it's as it's matured, there's become some consistency because it's still not that far out. That's within what one eighth of the quadrant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's still very close. Uh, I agree, and uh, it seems to be that that indeed this pattern could continue unless we deviate away from from the having cycle, which is still a possibility as well. So, what block is the all-time high going to be at? You must have looked that up. <laughs> it's uh, it's right in the chart, right? It's uh, did it say? It's the seventy seventy-eight thousand, a little more, no? Uh, of the cycle. Of the cycle. So, yeah. what that is? What's that? The that's Block. nice. I can't do. Hold on, it's two hundred ten thousand times four plus, or times three plus. Hold yeah, on, so one, it's two, um, three. It's also in the in the chart. Yeah, it's, it's four times two hundred ten thousand plus. Yeah, it was the six thirty plus uh, plus the oh, let's say eighty thousand. You know, so, so it's about it's seven seven ten seven ten. Yeah, that was more or less. You need. We need to be able to put alarms set alarms on our phones, play some blocks now. Block time. Can we do that? I mean, probably. NVK, well, saying block clock. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Block alert. Block alert. <laughs> do you do you do you yourself trade based on this data? Yeah, yeah, I I do uh, on a cycle basis. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's fascinating. It blows my mind. I, I'm not a day trader. Like, uh, you know, I don't. I cannot tell where price is going tomorrow. But uh, but on a cycle basis, yeah, there are definitely very uh, good patterns. There, there are two trades you need to make on the cycle. <laughs> Basically, yeah. It's fascinating. The other thing I like about it is that uh, 
what the way you track the price in the spiral chart, the lines have never crossed. Exactly. Yeah. And it's quite an important thing to maintain, quite an interesting thing to maintain. Yeah, if if we would cross, that would, I mean, I, I do think, um, and I, I think I already mentioned that also in our uh, last interview, is that uh, that at some point in time, we will likely cross, you know, like, because I, I do think cycles are, I mean, for now, they're not shifting, but it's very likely that they will shift at some point in the future. And and also if price is going to stabilize a bit more at some point, uh, you know, maybe also it becomes more volatile first. But but eventually, I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, measured in, in USD, it could actually become more volatile. We'll also get to that. But uh, uh, yeah, if the market cap grows, you know, uh, it could it could happen that that the that the lines will cross at some point in time. I I mean, I, I still think that the spiral chart will be useful even if that happens. But it's cool for now that it hasn't happened. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah. And um, it, I think one of the reasons, one of the things that supports that is the uh, the liquid supply appears to always be falling as we have new Bitcoiners coming in, becoming hodlers. And then you add into that, there's less new supply coming in every day after the halving. You can see why there's a certain catalyst for it to keep growing like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in some of the charts uh, as well. Um, you know, I, I have I made the HODL model, which we discussed also uh, in the last interview, and uh, there's definitely some interesting observations there that are actually very bullish. Uh, All right, let's let's go to the next one then. Okay. Yeah. So. Here we continue with uh, with the spiral chart, but now we we use uh, just normal time. Uh, so this is a, a four year the four year cycle, which also is a common term in Bitcoin, right? Um, but uh, but you can see now that the the green dots they are a little uh, those are in the in the northwest, let's say they are uh, a bit uh, they're not they're not completely on this uh, on the vertical line let's say where the where the cycle start where the four year cycle starts and because the halving is a little less than four years so now one full rotation in the spiral uh, represents four years and uh, and obviously it's uh, it's on on lock scale so one each ring uh, you know going outwards uh, is times 10 so it goes from a dollar to 10 dollars and and so forth uh, the, uh, the most outer ring is a million in, in this case. And, um, and yeah, what the, the cool thing about looking at this in, in human time is because we can track a bit better uh, seasonality as well. You know, so it seems every four years, at least around Christmas time, we have this all time high, you know, like uh, it, it, it again came true this cycle. And uh, the year after, around Christmas time, we have the old time. We have the we have a bottom, you know, like uh, the, those red uh, dots in the bottom. And they're even so, closer. The 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 bottoms are even closer in those three years, based on time. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you can see that the having kind of shifts back a little bit. I also added in the the the, the predicted uh, having of this. So there's one green dot there. Uh, that's actually I put that at forty thousand because I I think that's a, a reasonable price to to make at uh, at the next halving, uh, but you can see that again that's a little shifted uh, uh, you know uh, it's a little earlier in the in in the in the cycle I mean we will reach that point a little earlier than the previous halving in the same cycle and so the halvings the, uh, I mean so the cycles are shifting a little bit and you can also see that in the bottoms very well right so the so all those three dots. They uh, they appear a little earlier in the in the cycle, uh, so 
uh, also the all-time high in the last cycle, at least it, it did not in the in the in the previous cycle. But uh, but yeah, so so the cycles are shifting a little bit there. But yeah, most of the all-time highs are all made in in that first quadrant, uh, which is one very interesting observation. And um, uh, yeah, I think I mean all bottoms are in the south, and it's very likely that if we continue the pattern with the cycle, that the bottom is in this time. Like I'm way more confident now than I was last time. Last time we had like this capitulation event in June, which was a true capitulation event. Like it was a significant one like comparable with with bottoms of other cycles so uh, but time wise yeah there was still <laughs> this uh, the south of of this chart that like kept saying like okay we can make another low there and uh, i warned for that last last time and and indeed that it, it did happen as well uh we made another low although i was not sure if we were going to make another low but i i did expect some downside still in that south area uh but we did make another low and that was also mainly due to like uh i mean the events that happened around fdx and and so uh, you know if, if if, if, if we didn't have an FDX or so, maybe we would have just made like another low, but not an old, like not a cycle low there. Uh, but in this case, we did, you know. Isn't it strange though? There's we every cycle we find a reason or something happens that does cause that. Yeah, I mean, it it uh, it's not that strange because if price starts going down, things are start start falling apart, you know. Like so, yeah. so it's just like this waterfall effect and. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's not that strange, but uh, there's some event that will happen indeed, and uh, depends on which one, you know. Like, uh, so Christmas time is going to be good. <laughs> not the uh, this year, next year. Yeah, so uh, so we're still a year away from from the having, and uh, and basically, like, yeah, if we would make a, an all time high again at, the, at more or less the same time in the cycle, that would be two two years out. You know. All right, man. Yeah, here I marked still the the autumn highs, the bottoms, and the halvings. That's uh, mad. That they're like all at at exactly the same moment in the cycle. And they're basically within an, within about a month of each other. It looks like. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Each 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 quarter is a, a year. Yeah, it looks like it looks like about within about a more month. or less. Yeah, it's really close to each other. For you know, I'll be interested to do this again in two years if we're plotting it the same. Yeah, I, I will be too. All right. So this, uh, yeah, I, I had that in there as well uh, the last time. Uh, this uh, and it's actually very interesting. This is um, the the same. I mean, the price pattern is just uh, on, on the, the four-year cycle again, uh, except now we color-coded uh, the the chart and um, based on the short-term holder cost basis. And the short-term holder cost basis is really an amazing, like very powerful on-chain metric, in my opinion. Uh, there's so so much information that you can pull out of uh, of that uh, classification. Do you want to explain what it is? Yeah, so the short-term holder cost basis is actually the same as the short-term holder realized price. Um, so to say again, first, what is the realized price? The realized price is the average purchase price of all Bitcoin. So all transactions on the blockchain, we can look at the price that they were that they moved, and uh, so the average price that we get is uh, the realized price. So it's the average investor price, basically. And uh, we can also then uh, look at only the age, a certain age of coins. And so it's very useful to do this because if we look at um, a, a relatively young coins, so uh, in this case, it's, it's uh, about five months, 
uh, we can, there's a lot more recency in the data, you know, like, so you can see what's happening now rather than what has happened in the whole history of Bitcoin. And so, um, based on that, um, yeah, there you can, uh, so, so the short term holder cost base is just the average purchase price of young coins. So young holders, and they are more affected by, uh, by new recent news and events, you know, like, so, uh, t- typically if price drops, it's mostly short term holders that are selling rather than long term holders. So it's very, uh, useful to have this uh, metric as an indicator. And, and you can actually use this for all kinds of things. We're, we're going to get to some, but, um, but in, in this case, I used it to, to mark bull, the difference between bull and bear markets within Bitcoin. And we can see that the, the, the second quadrant of the, the spiral here, uh, it was completely red, yellow, you know, like uh, there was mm. not even a single dot of green. And, and actually in, in nearly all cycles, it was kind of just only red, that, that whole quadrant. And, uh, and again, we got out of that quadrant and uh, we made, you know, we made the bottom in the south and we started to have the first green appear again, like a little bit. So uh, the first, uh, yeah. You know, signs of again a bit of more bullish uh, <laughs> a bull market. Uh, it's not not maybe yet a full-grown bull market, but I mean at least some the early signs. And uh, so yeah, I think uh, to to continue maybe with uh, the short-term holder uh, the usefulness of uh, of the short-term holder cost basis, we can uh, we can also go to the next chart. Um, so and this is actually to look a bit more at the recent data. So uh, what is Bitcoin doing now? So um, I mean, we can see the, uh, just uh, the the current cycle here. So we had the uh, the all-time high in uh, in April. Then we had the November highs, uh, and then uh, we made a bottom in June. You can see that that touched uh, the, that black line. So so here I used the, the green line is the short-term holder cost basis, and then basically the the red and the and the black line. Uh, those are the mezzanine and the floor, I call them. They are uh, two levels lower than that, you know? So, um, and, and they seem to, um, you know, like uh, I, I chose those le- levels myself, but um, if you look at the history of Bitcoin, uh, price has almost never fallen below the floor, you know, in its entire lifetime. And as well, this, this intermediate level uh, has been touched many times, you know, like sometimes a local bottom is, is formed there. And, uh, and so with the June low, you can see that we had like really a true capitulation events. And we even touched that black line there, you know, like where as actually the actual bottom that we had, uh, I think it was in November as well, uh, it, it only touched the intermediate level, the red line. No, but uh, and then we we actually crossed above the short-term holder cost basis, which is an indication that you know oh, we, we're kind of getting out of the bear market. We're now in a bull market, and then we had a confirmation by actually again finding support on that same short-term holder cost basis, uh, and uh, and we continue. And now we're kind of in that level again where we might uh, have either like uh, find support again on that short-term holder cost basis, which would be bullish because that would be kind of a continuation of the of the bull market. Or yeah, if we fall below, we could see some temporary downside, you know, like uh, and and maybe fall back to uh, to yeah to lower levels like the intermediate level or the floor. Is there any logic to why 
this happen? Is there a mathematical reason why you think this might happen? Yeah, so I mean, the logical reason is because uh, so short-term holders are more affected by price movement. You know, so they will be tempted to sell more more quickly than than long-term holders. So when there are events happening, uh, you know, short-term holders will either sell or and and the short-term holder cost basis is the average purchase price of such short-term holders. So when prices are trading above the short-term holder cost basis, uh, they, you know. Short-term holders are in profit, so they feel good in general, right? So if, if prices below the short-term holder uh, cost basis, they are in, at a loss. And so this level of the short-term holder cost basis for that for that particular group serves as a level where where either if we're trading above it and we fall to the short-term holder cost basis, they might step out of the market to uh, like step out at you know and, and not have any profits, but to not get any losses, right? Mm. And, and the same thing happens when when we're below and when they're at a loss for quite some time. Whenever they got get to like that level where they're equal, then they might also step out of the market. That's why it's such an interesting level recovery. <laughs> Amazing. So here's the yeah, it's the zoomed out version of that uh, chart. So the whole hit, uh, more or less, it's since 2013, I see. Uh, but but yeah, you can see that you know this uh, uh, the floor it has been touched like every time more or less in the in in the bottom of the of the bear market, and uh, those intermediate levels have also been touched uh, several times soon, like soon after making a bottom, and and that again happened this cycle. So it's a uh, it's a useful level to, to, uh, to, to watch as a trader. This show is brought to you by Wasabi, who I am using to keep my Bitcoin private. Now, Wasabi is the easiest way for you to send and receive Bitcoin privately. And even for non-technical people like me, it is effortless and it provides privacy by default. With Wasabi, there is no minimum amount, so you can start coin joining straight away. And Wasabi users make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay and Trezor users, and BTC Pay server users can make payments in CoinJoin, which saves on fees and is a privacy improvement. Also, Wasabi have just dropped a new feature. Now, Trezor Suite users can make CoinJoins directly on the hardware wallet, which is obviously very cool. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to wasabiwallet.io, which is W-A-S-A-B-I-W-A-L-L-E-T dot I-O. Next up today, we have BitCasino. Now, BitCasino was established in 2013 and is the world's first licensed Bitcoin casino. It is trusted by tens of thousands of players worldwide, and they not only have cutting-edge security, but they offer fast withdrawals and VIP experiences that money can't buy. BitCasino also has over 2,800 games and tournaments for you to try out. And with their 24-7 live chat support, you can always get help if needed. Now, if you want to find out more about BitCasino, the first Bitcoin casino to win an EGR award, head over to bitcasino.io, which is B-I-T-C-A-S-I-N-O.io. And please remember to gamble responsibly. Next up today, we have Unchained. Now, events exchanges and traditional banks over the last year have been an important reminder of how critical it is for you to take control of your private keys. But listen, I know for some of you, this can be daunting, which is why our friends at Unchained offer a personalized concierge onboarding service. Now, I've personally been through the process and I've now set up the vaults for my football team, Rail Bedford. And okay, I've got a personal recommendation here. The multi-sig solution which Unchained have created is so easy to use. They also ship you the required devices and walk you through this step by step so you understand exactly how the vaults work. After you set up, Unchained continues to provide you with regular support to help you get comfortable with controlling your keys. 
Now, if you've been putting off taking control of your Bitcoin wealth, Unchained's concierge onboarding is a simple way to get started. So book your onboarding today at unchained.com forward slash what Bitcoin did, which is U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D dot com forward slash what Bitcoin did. And at the checkout, you can get $50 off with the promo code what Bitcoin did. Also today, we have Spellcaster, the fall of SPF. Now, many thought Sam Bankman-Fried was changing the game as he graced the pages of Forbes and Vanity Fair, and some people in crypto saw him as a breath of fresh air from the usual Wall Street buffs with his casual dress and his ability to play League of Legends during board meetings. But in just one month, his exchange would collapse, and SBF would find himself in handcuffs with tens of thousands of investors blaming him for their losses. From Bloomberg and Wondery comes Spellcaster, a new six-part docu-series about the meteoric rise and fall of FTX and founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Follow Spellcaster wherever you get your podcasts and Prime members, you can listen to episodes ad-free on Amazon Music. So please download the Amazon Music app today. Okay. Yeah, we'll still continue with some spiral charts. So this is, uh, yeah, I I, I like to, I mean, this is again uh, a bit the bigger picture, but, uh, uh, you know, we compare Bitcoin to silver, gold and real real estate. We did that last time as well. Yeah, let me just explain the chart to people who are listening. So where we have these uh, circles, the concentric circles, the concentric circles. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at the spiral chart, um, what uh, the big carrot's done, he's put circles in to explain essentially the market cap for uh, silver, gold, and real estate, and how Bitcoin is chasing these down. And it's yeah, it's touched on the silver market couple of couple couple of times. Is that twice in the last year? The last cycle we did in kind of in April and and then in in November. I think in November we actually went above it like just slightly, but uh, but yeah we 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 surpassed yeah we surpassed silver's market cap just by a small margin. But then again we dropped back below it. But but it seems if we continue the pattern uh, that indeed next cycle we will have to you know go above a silver's market cap and and we're going to start you know, going after gold, which is, uh, which will be cool. Will be fascinating. It will be fun. Also, because especially after the next halving, so in a year, Bitcoin's inflation rate will also be lower. It's now more or less the same as gold. Uh uh, But after next halving, which is already in a year, uh, it will actually drop for the first time lower than, than, than gold. So it's, uh, so it's going to be interesting. Someone will have to check on Peter Schiff. (laughs) That will be fascinating though, because the gold bugs just will be in disbelief. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, once Bitcoin really starts competing with gold, it's going to be very interesting. You know? I mean, 10 trillion, that's a long way to go yet. It's still, uh, yeah, I still expect uh, at least a full cycle. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe, I mean, I don't expect actually to trade above that the next, the, the coming cycle. It's, it's probably going to take a, another cycle after that. Yeah. Do we know what the price of Bitcoin would be for it to do that? It, rough. Um, yeah. Uh, I have that mapped out. I have a chart where I, I have Bitcoin's price and gold's price if we would surpass it, but I, I'm not sure what the price is at it's, now. It's basically, but it, is it 500,000? Yeah, about yeah. that. If there's, I mean, there's, there's not quite 20 million coins. Yeah, but, but 20 million-ish, 500,000. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can flow with it. Interesting. It depends what gold does as well, though. Yeah, yeah, and gold, yeah, gold has been going up recently, obviously, because of recessionary fears and... So this, uh, yeah, here, so I compare Bitcoin, it's a bit similar, uh, but I compare them to uh, the, the biggest currencies in the world. 
So we have the, the British pound there, the Japanese yen, the euro, the uh, USD, and uh, the Chinese yen. The pound is fucked. <laughs> it's coming for it. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're now um, uh, more or less trading similar to, for example, the Mexican peso or so. You know? Like, so already kind of. So and these are the biggest currencies in the world, by the way. Yeah? So Bitcoin already surpassed many, uh, you know, in market terms of market cap. But we're already trading at a similar like currency, like, uh, for example, the Mexican peso now. And, uh, and, and yeah, we're going after uh, the pound next. So that looked good. I won't. I don't have to feel too patriotic about that one. <laughs> Interesting, fascinating. Yeah. So here, um, I plotted the, the Bitcoin halvings. Uh, they're scaled, um, you know, to uh, to the current uh, cycle. Uh, so you can see, like, how, like how far, uh, like. How, how much of a price increase, for example, the 2013 cycle had, you know, like uh, it would have gone more or less to a million almost uh, if, we, if we would have the similar returns in, in this cycle, which is obviously not, not uh, reasonable to think because the, the market cap has increased uh, significantly, you know, like, but, um, but I added here also the, the realized price. Uh, those are those other lines that you can see there. And, and, and we can see that those bottoms, they, they, again, they fell more or less at the similar uh, moment in time below realized price. So realized price is, again, the average purchase price of, uh, of all Bitcoin. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, so price only trades about like maximum a year below realized price each cycle. And uh, we, we, it seems that we have, yeah, we're past that point now and we made a low. So, um, I mean, the pattern here is like every cycle, the uh, the percent growth we see is reducing. Yeah. So those are diminishing returns, yeah, as so, they call them. Yeah. yeah. So does it eventually get to the point where there's no returns to be made and we go backwards? Yeah. So um, I I have some evidence why why I think that's not going to happen. And actually, I think that potentially the next cycle might have um, a higher increase than than current cycle. And uh, I'll, I'll show the reasons for that, but it has to do with a liquid supply and each Bitcoin getting more scarce. And, uh, and, and, and so we'll get to that in, in the next charts. But yeah, if you think, and, and, and the lock growth curve, again, is one of those famous models, right, in Bitcoin. Um, yeah, then you would expect diminishing returns each cycle, you know, like, uh, but, but if we look at the patterns on chain, what's actually happening, uh, you know, Bitcoin is getting more scarce. And I think uh, when hype is coming back next cycle, um, yeah, I, I think it, it might cause uh, higher price increases than that we had last cycle. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. This is still the same uh, comparison, uh, but now they're not scaled. They're just uh, really on the on, on a normal price scale. Uh, so we can see again that that year. I also mentioned this uh, this this chart I showed in the last interview, um, where we have this period of a year where it's actually really a good accumulation zone. I think we mentioned that like uh, last interview. Like this is a, an ideal a time to be accumulating Bitcoin, and we're kind of now past that red zone. You know, like so. I think our last interview was like eight months ago or so. Yeah. yeah. Like, so. Yeah, so so that year more or less has passed now. Uh, it's still, I mean, it's still reasonable to uh, to buy Bitcoin or to average in, you know, like if if especially if you think that next cycle we will uh, reach prices higher than uh, than a hundred k. But uh, but yeah, the the ideal accumulation zone was in that red zone uh, and uh, where we made the bottom, obviously. Um, so if we look at the amount of supply that is in circulation that is held by short-term holders, 
uh, I think this it's again shows where the short-term holder is such a powerful uh, metric. Uh, uh, we can look at we can use this kind of as a proxy for demand or how much hype is there in the market currently? Because okay. there's there's high amounts of young coins. That means a lot of new people are coming in the market, you know, and that's why these these peaks here that you can see with uh, uh, they they correlate with all the the blue dots, you know, in the price chart. With the all time highs are made during those uh, during those peaks, uh, and yeah, as you can see, we're we're nearly at at a low, like uh, we're we're very low. So there's really not much of a hype in the market currently. There's not many young coins in the market, which uh, is also reason. To believe that, I mean, that we don't, we cannot expect like high price increases. You know, like I, I think we're still uh, gonna have some, some flat, like some um, horizontal price movement. Let's say uh, I don't, I, and I expect that kind of to be the case until the next halving. You know, like um, so. Uh, but, but yeah, it's kind of waiting for one of those peaks again in young supply where new hype is coming in the market and it seems to happen uh, more or less every four years, right? Like, it's so. interesting that the previous all-time high basically had no hype. You know, the second time we hit 68K or whatever it was, 69K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the second top in the yeah, yeah. but that was that was actually a top made only on long term holders uh, being really excited about Bitcoin and expecting that price would still continue to go above 100k. That's why. But but if you looked at at this indicator, you already knew that was not very sustainable. Mm. And so uh, that's why we also we barely made a new all time high there. By the way, yeah, we we almost uh, didn't. So it's a uh, so the yeah the April top was actually the true peak of of the cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, also in terms of hype and and yeah if hype is gone it's it's not going to come back you know soon it, it takes a couple of years again it needs to build up there need to be some catalyst but uh but yeah it will come again next year i don't see any reason why not if you if you had a platform with a live chance for this i would subscribe <laughs> i would i would pay to access it yeah you're a lucky man on the roadmap you're a lucky man you can go to bitcoinstrategyplatform.com and and subscribe. You will it's get already access there. to huh? It's already there. It's already there. Yeah. That sounded like such a setup, didn't <laughs> it? it? Sounded like such a setup. Danny, keep book about that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So um, so here, um, yeah, we'll discuss a bit of the bearish case. So uh, here I uh, compared Bitcoin to the S&P 500 and uh, we use uh, TA because obviously we don't have access to on-chain analysis in uh, traditional finance. So uh, we can only compare the two through uh, TA. And uh, so we use the rel relative strength index, uh, which is on a scale from zero to hundred, like what is uh, Bitcoin's momentum uh, basically, and, and or the S&P in this case, the blue line is the S&P. Uh, so I zoomed out a little further, but you can see that the 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 orange line, like bit. So so we had the recession in 2008. Um, you know we we had the relative strength index touched like values below 20 there, um, and and um, uh, Bitcoin yeah it came forward out of that crisis more or less. You know like so it was launched. And, uh, but you can see that this, this, you know, Bitcoin's RSI kind of follows the same pattern in the beginning, a little less still, but it, it starts to correlate more and more, you know, with the S and P. So we can see the, the similar cycles there actually. What do you think that is? Bitcoin. What do you think we have that correlation? 
I mean, so yeah, as the S&P as well is a bit of a risk asset, you know, like so Bitcoin is correlated to risk assets uh, currently more than it was in the past. But uh, but it seems to be the natural human psychology, you know, like so the, the these market cycles, yeah, they, they obviously don't only happen and they happen in all markets uh, and risk appetite or like, you know, that happens in all markets, and so uh, so those that's why this correlation is there. But but yeah, this again shows why also we cannot say that the havings, which actually those are the horizontal lines that you can see there, those are actually the havings in time. So we have we made a bottom, and then the having comes, and uh, we do see that after the having that Bitcoin's price like out basis kind of like uh, uh, the, the S&P, you know, like, so there was, uh, if, especially in the first cycle, for example, if you look at the first halving, uh, you know, Bitcoin's RSI spiked way higher than, than the, than the S&P did. So, but, uh, but it has been like more similar, uh, uh, you know, I, I, and I think that's why we can also, if you look at other macro, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, other indicators in, in macro, uh, Bitcoin also will follow uh, similar the similar cycle pattern. So that's why also I, I do believe the having is a bit of a narrative, you know, like uh, it still causes obviously the hype around it currently probably more than the actual having, but, uh, but it still causes, uh, a, it still serves as a catalyst. Uh, but it's, uh, but yeah, it, this is kind of worrying in a way because um, uh, if, if Bitcoin's price stays correlated and we do get a recession, uh, you know, later this near year or early next year, uh, and we get to an RSI in the S and P of like below twenty again, like we did in, in the dot com bubble or in the Great Recession. Uh, yeah, a Bitcoin's price could temporarily uh, we could deviate a bit from the four year cycle. You know, in that sense. So we so, kind of need the bull market before them. Yeah. Well. Um, I, I mean, I think it uh, it will kind of go hand in hand. I mean, if if we have. Uh, if, if there's going to be a recession, I don't expect an immediate, I think it will just be um, kind of, we will have to, a recession takes about a year, two years, you know, so we'll just have a bit of a delay, you know, before we get to the bull market. So it depends on what's going to happen on a macro level with Bitcoin. I mean, if we do get a recession, uh, yeah, we, we can have a bit of a delay in the next bull market, which would also deviate the, the cycle pattern, you know, like, so, so this is a very, uh, I think an important chart to, to keep track of because if we start going at if we get an RSI below 40 again uh, in, in the next months or so like uh, yeah that's a severe warning signal that we uh, you know could potentially uh, or Bitcoin needs to decorrelate which also can happen you know if Bitcoin becomes more if we get the digital gold narrative uh, it will be interesting to watch I don't know if that will happen uh, I mean for now it's quite correlated to, to the S&P but, uh, but we could uh, you know, decorrelate, uh, and it's, it's possible. And, and definitely, if we look at some of the charts later that I'll, I'll still show about illiquid supply, so how Bitcoin is getting more scarce, uh, there is a possibility that we that we actually might decorrelate. Okay. So this is the the hollow model. The hollow model, or, or these are the charts that uh, that go along with the hollow model. So so here is uh, yeah Bitcoin's supply shown. That's just the the circulating supply. So the the orange uh, uh, line that you can see. Um, it's a uh, yeah, 19 million something coins that we have currently in, cir in circulation, uh, and 
here I made the division between a liquid supply and uh, liquid supply. So, so the orange part of this chart is actually the, the supply that's available for trade, whereas the illiquid supply, the, the blue part of the chart, is actually coins that hardly move. You know, and so, so, uh, so instead of, uh, for example, I mean, so instead of looking at uh, the age of coins, what we do with a liquid and liquid supply is looking at the spending behavior of coins. So, uh, so if if some if someone spends uh, less than twenty five percent of their holdings, uh, he, it, it's considered a liquid supply. Whereas if someone spends more than twenty five percent of his holdings, uh, he's considered an a liquid person because, or a liquid entity because uh, uh, yeah he might sell Bitcoin at any moment in time basically. And so this is very interesting because. The, the especially the orange part of this chart, so the, the liquid part, so the supply that's actually available for trade, you could see that if, if you think of price as a function of supply and demand, uh, the orange part is actually the supply part of the function. You know? And so uh, it's, it's, it's obviously a proxy, it's, it's an approximation, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a perfect indicator, but it, gives, uh, it, it does a decent job, in my opinion, about what is the actual uh, supply available for trade. Yeah, and the interesting part of this is that um, the circulating supply, the liquid supply, is every four years it's reducing. Yeah, so, and so that's going to start going horizontalish. Yeah, so the circulating supply after every halving, the steepness of of that curve will basically, uh, you know, half <laughs> because the 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 issuance halves every uh, halving, and so uh, so that flattens out. Uh, we're already at 19 million, and we will only go to 21 million in the in the next uh, 100 years. So, uh, but but the the illiquid supply seems to be growing. You know, like so, uh, and 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 so where uh, the idea of the HODL model is that the the third halving kind of was an inflection point, because uh, as you can see in this chart, uh, the 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 supply issuance outpaced illiquid supply growth uh, until the third halving. But after the third halving, suddenly, uh, you know, illiquid supply is growing faster at a faster rate than new supply uh, is, is entering Bitcoin in circulation. And, and that's kind of fascinating because that means that Bitcoin is getting more scarce. Yeah. And that has only been happening for a relatively short amount of time. Um, and, and we started out with a relatively high amount of uh, actually around that third halving is the, the highest amount of available supply, uh, which so, so a very uh, abundant Bitcoin, let's say. So, and we had the kind of disappointing, perhaps, uh, bull market after that. But that, so if you think that, yeah, we had a lot of supply during that bull market, it makes sense that we didn't get to like extreme uh, high prices. Whereas next halving, it looks... Uh, quite a bit more bullish. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool chart. So here's the, the HODL model then. So what, what does the HODL model do? So uh, it tries to kind of predict the growth rate of uh, illiquid supply. And because we can map, a bit, you know, Bitcoin's supply issuance schedule is known into the future. And so we can map the, the, the HODL model. Uh, or we can, we can try to uh, predict like what, what is liquid supply going to do. And so, th and the HODL model is a very conservative model in, in this case. Uh, we, and, and you can see also that illiquid supply is kind of like uh, uh, quite a bit above the, the model value there. And, uh, and in, in the bottom chart, 
uh, we look at the same thing, but we look at it in percentage terms. So how much supply of the uh, so how much supply is illiquid of the total uh, supply in, in percentage terms? And and so we can see that, so that we start at 100% because in the beginning of Bitcoin, uh, nearly all supply was illiquid, you know, and 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 then kind of supply starts moving more and and gets spent more, and then so it dropped. But at that third halving, we made a low there. Uh, so the HODL model makes a low and liquid supply made a low there and we have been rising since you know like so uh so and uh, so that means that yeah again the uh, the available supply for trade is is shrinking so bitcoin is getting more scarce since that third halving um and this this was the model that i also showed uh last time and uh what i didn't show was uh, i also th this was the conservative uh hodl model uh i also had an optimistic hodl model which is uh the HODL model oh, S. Oh, wow. Oh, that's the S curve. That's the S curve, oh. yeah. The HODL model S, which is a model that I actually have never shared yet. Hold uh, on, what, what, where are we here? 20... 2030, that. 2030. Yeah. Do we want everything, like Bitcoin, to become very illiquid, though, or do we want people spending it? Uh, I mean, yeah, if you think of Bitcoin as a store of value, mainly, it makes sense that most of the supply is just stored, right? But there will be always a small part of the supply that's liquid and, and, and that will be used for trade. And, and, but, but if you think uh, yeah, of, of all the, the money in the world, like most value is, is also stored, either in real estate or uh, bonds or like in all kinds of things, right? It's just sitting there. Uh, whereas the the money that's spent on an actual daily today basis is is a lot less, mm -hmm. you know, like so. So the Hollow Model S I have never shared. It's actually uh, the first time that I showed this model. The reason I, I didn't uh, share it uh, last time also was because uh, it was kind of like too optimistic, yeah. you know, and, and uh, you know, coming from a stock to flow model that was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, had a bit of like a negative impact on, uh, I, I didn't want to, you know, it's better to have a conservative model and be wrong to the upside than uh, to have an optimistic model and be wrong to the downside. But uh, but even now with the, the HODL model S, we're actually still trading. <laughs> like the, the liquid supply is still uh, above the model value, even with the optimistic model that I, that I had, you know, like so. Uh, so by the end of the next cycle, that really could get crazy. Yeah, if 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 we keep track with this model, it I don't know. I mean, we will have hyper Bitcoinization within two cycles. I I can also not believe it myself. That's why I didn't share this chart last time, and and why uh, you know. Like, but I think now we've been past a bit, like the whole stock to flow model, and and it's fine. And especially since we're still trading above it now, uh, I feel like okay, I, I it's good to share this. This show is brought to you by Ledger. Now, Ledger is the world's leader in Bitcoin security, and it's the best way for you to own and secure your private keys. If you are still holding Bitcoin on an exchange or with a custodian, it might be time for you to take your Bitcoin security a little more seriously, because remember, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Now, Ledger hardware wallets paired with the Ledger Live app are the easiest and safest way for you to start managing your private keys. You can send and sign your Bitcoin transactions with full transparency in the Ledger Live app, and honestly, it couldn't be easier. I've been a Ledger customer since 2017, and I'm still using the same Nano S I bought back then. Now, if you want to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to shop.ledger.com, which is S-H-O-P dot L-E-D-G-E-R dot com. Next up today, we have Iris Energy. Now, Iris is the largest NASDAQ-listed Bitcoin miner using 100% renewable energy. 
Their strategy is to target markets with low-cost, excess renewable energy, and they build their own highly efficient Bitcoin data centers. They are led by a seasoned management team with a track record of success across renewables, infrastructure, and digital assets. And Danny and I met them recently in Canada and were super impressed with Iris Energy and their values, which align with us, so they're a great fit for what Bitcoin did and you, the listeners. Now, we are going to be working with Iris Energy on everything from the podcast to films to live events, and they're even sponsoring my football team, Rail Bedford. So we're really happy to be working with such a forward-thinking and sustainable Bitcoin mining company. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to irisenergy.co, which is I-R-I-S-E-N-E-R-G-Y.co. Also today, we have Ledin. From savings accounts to personal loans and even mortgages, Ledin's financial services enable Bitcoiners to experience the benefits of their holdings today without selling their Bitcoin. Ledin has a robust risk management strategy and always prioritizes safeguarding clients' assets with no DeFi yield farming. And Ledin only supports Bitcoin and USDC, two of the highest quality and most liquid assets in the industry. They are also dedicated to transparency and are the first digital asset lending company to complete a proof of reserves attestation, which they re-verify every six months. With multilingual support on standby 24-7, Ledin is there to support all your needs. And not only is Ledin a sponsor, I am also a customer of theirs. Now, if you want to find out more, please head over to ledin.io, which is L-E-D-N dot I-O. This is where I get really real with all other football clubs, where they'll be like, oh... This is why he did it. In eight, won't you be in the Premier League in eight years? No. Championship, maybe. No. I mean, I, I'm thinking, I'm looking about the middle of the next cycle. What's that? Two, three, four years. I think it's by the time we hit the league, our treasury will start accelerating price, and then we can probably build that 50,000-seat stadium in, in Bedford. In Bedford. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this, if this, if this model is going to continue keeping up, uh, you can hire some really good players oh this excites the fuck out of me yeah but it's, yeah. it's funny because um you know when you first see prices go up you get really excited because you think about personal net wealth but i'm beyond that now all i think about is this football club how do i get this football club up the leagues and uh, money is a function of this like available funds to invest in players the team your facilities i look at this and think oh we can do this yeah yeah i believe you can get to to did you come to a game? I can't remember. Um, I I went to see your the field. Oh but yeah, there, we there wasn't have, a game. There no. wasn't a game. One. We're going to get yeah. you over for a game at some yeah. point. This is the coolest chart in here. Mm -hmm. What does it What does it make you think? Uh, I don't know. I think I like the idea of spend and replace, and then you, you can don't do have as much liquid supply. But but you can still spend it. It doesn't matter how what the. But then it's then it is it's liquid. Then at that point, if it's moving regularly, then it's become part of the liquid supply, presumably. Yeah, but yeah. the value you've got is so much more that you don't need to spend that much of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if the dollar value increases, obviously you need to spend less Bitcoin. Yeah, like so. But I'd hope more and more people start spending and replacing as more and more people accept Bitcoin. So I guess that then increases the. I, I understand the point, but yeah, but also more and more people will you know use it as a store of value. You mm -hmm. know, like so. So that's and and both I, can be both can be true, right? Both, both can, can be, be true. true at the same yeah, time. Both yeah, both more can be spending. Because if you're spending and replacing, it doesn't like it doesn't 
remove the store of value part aspect of it, but you also are actually using this. And if we're recruiting more Bitcoiners at an increasing rate, mm -hmm. you can, we can all be spending more. Yeah. By the way, in, in this model, so here the third halving serves as this inflection point uh, where, where Bitcoin becomes more scarce. But what I don't show here, but I, I do think there will be a second inflection point, like because here kind of uh, all of Bitcoin supply will be liquid by, I don't know, 2035 or something. Um, so, so it, uh, supply that, shocks that that is but that obviously won't happen you know there will always be uh, liquid supply you would just need so. to zoom in more that's the point is that yeah there will always be a gap yeah there will always be a gap but it will uh but but i think that gap will stabilize at some point yeah you know, it's the sooner we i mean the closer we get to like hyper bitcoinization so there will be a second inflection point where uh because here here the uh the available supply will kind of shrink to zero, you know, like, but that's obviously not going to happen. So there will be some inf second inflection point where, um, where, and that likely will be more close to hyper -bit Bitcoinization where, uh, you know, we will stabilize in terms of, uh, of, of liquid supply. Love this chart. Can I just ask one more question on that? Cause I, yeah. I can't quite figure this out in my head. If people are, if we move to a world where everyone's getting paid in Bitcoin and spending Bitcoin, everything becomes much more liquid, presumably. Because coins are like moving hands, even though there's not like a US dollar trade or a great, uh, like a pound trade, like the dollar, the, sorry, the Bitcoin is moving, is swapping hands more. Yeah, I think that's, that's why I think there will be a, a second inflation, but it might be Satoshis, you know, that are kind of like swapped. So it depends on Bitcoin's price. So the, the higher Bitcoin's price gets in US dollar terms, the less Bitcoin needs to be, Mm -hmm. uh, moved, you know, like, but the more of like the global economy that goes to being paid in Bitcoin, then like I, I think that could probably outstrip the um, sort of the shrinking. So of the if if price supply. if price does a ten x and you start moving, uh, you know, like if price does ten x or so, like then then also the uh, the the supply that you that you trade. Uh, would be ten times less, you know, in in, in yeah. dollars terms. So, but at the so moment, Bitcoin can grow a lot uh, in terms. If the user base grows times ten, but the price also goes times ten, like then I don't know you if have it's the same amount of 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 kind of liquid uh, liquid supply trading. But I don't know if it's just the growth of the user base because, like, the vast majority of the user base, like ninety nine point nine percent, I would guess, are not getting paid in Bitcoin. And so, if that, if like the the way that people interact with Bitcoin changes, I guess that could change that ratio as well. Because if everyone who, like if say that 0.1% of people get paid in Bitcoin now becomes 10%, then that can, like the 10X in price can get outstripped by that. Yeah, I also think, I mean, by the time that the nearly the whole world gets paid in Bitcoin, we're not going to measure in USD terms anymore. You know? yeah. like it's not going to be uh, a value, but we can still look on chain, like how much supply is going to be uh, used for like how much supply is going to be liquid and how much illiquid, mm -hmm. you know, that percentage we can still see in it. But I think, and I cannot predict that now. I mean, but I, but I do think, yeah, there will be a second inflection point where it starts where, going the other way, where we again, maybe start increasing or at least stabilize in terms of, uh, you know, available supply for trade, mm -hmm. you know? So this is the, 
it's again zoomed in on that orange part, uh, that which is the available supply for trade. But here we uh, look at it at percentage terms. So how much percent of the supply is available for trade? And and we can see that yeah, in the in the first halving we had around twenty percent of the supply was available for trade, and you know we had these huge price increases that came with that. Uh, then we had in the second halving we had twenty five percent of the supply available for trade. And we still had a decent, we did 20x or so in, in 2017. And then the third halving, so that was actually the inflection point, we had the highest amount of, of available supply for trade, which you can see like quite clearly in this chart. You know, and, and since then, we have been going down. Uh, so so we, we've just lived through what should be the hardest cycle. Actually, I, I do think so. Yeah. yeah. If you look at Bitcoin scarcity, that is the case. You know, like obviously it also depends on all events and, and how much demand there is. And so there's other factors at play. But but in terms of Bitcoin scarcity, the yeah, the 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 highest amount of available supply was available around that third halving. So Yeah, and so then it kind of makes sense that, you know, we we didn't really have a 10x cycle that a lot of people expected. They expected it based on previous cycles, but they weren't looking at this data. And for us to have such a huge you know, jump from, I mean, well, we kind of did what we went what, the bottom of 3K, we topped at 60, so that's really a 20X actually. But I think, you know, there's some people thought we were going to go to 100, 150, 200, maybe even 300, because they were basing it based on the growth of a previous cycle. But with a massive increase in the supply, available yeah. for trade that made it a lot harder yeah i usually measure from the previous autumn high so uh so in that sense uh, you know the autumn high the previous autumn high was like 20k and so we this cycle we only got to 69k so it was like a three point something x whereas in the 2017 we had the 20x we went from 1200 yeah we nearly previous, about 18 uh, yeah. to yeah something like that so what? so yeah but uh, but yeah if we if Next cycle, and it looks like it. I mean, that we're going to have a supply that's that's uh, available supply for trade that's going to be more similar to the 2017 cycle. So another 18x. So we, yeah. I mean, it, hold on. That would be on 60k. No, come on. That'd be a million. That'd be a million. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. Shit. So what was that, my that, with the title? What was? Yeah. <laughs> Root says we definitely hit a million next cycle. He promises. Yeah, he, exactly. pro he promised us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was my bet with American Hoddle? I think it was was it a million by twenty twenty seven. Think it was. He could he could win that. You might lose. Yeah. I mean, I fucking hope you Who lose knows. that bet. <laughs> oh, I hope I lose that bet. <laughs> I've never wanted to lose a bet more than that one. <laughs> yeah. No, do you, yeah, Connor, I mean, do you understand why we want me to lose that bet? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it is truly amazing. I, I think this is really the most underrated, uh, data that's, uh, that that's, and I, I think that's kind of even that adds to the fact that it can happen like more likely because no one is expecting it. Everyone is expecting diminishing returns, you know, next cycle, just because everyone is focused on this lock growth space. Also all history of Bitcoin has been diminishing returns. If you look at price, you will only think diminishing returns. But if you think of price as a function of supply and demand, now the supply is really getting more scarce. And, and it seems to be, I mean, 
I, I made a conservative model, which I shared eight months ago. I actually made the optimistic model before the conservative model, but I found it too optimistic to share. So I, I tried to make a more conservative model, which I shared eight months ago. But but now I feel like since we're still trading above it, uh, like it's, uh, yeah, I, I also have to share the optimistic model. But uh, even, yeah, so even... The optimistic model is not optimistic enough, apparently. So it's uh, it's it, at, that, at that fast pace it's going, and 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 the optimistic model is kind of like by twenty thirty, which I also cannot believe. So so like uh, I don't know, but the data is the data. I mean, uh, obviously, also demand is a function, and and but we showed that with the short term holder supply, which I think is a pretty good function for demand. So you have these peaks coming in. So but if if we if the supply is is kind of scarce around you know the next having and we get one of those spikes again in hype like in in short term or in a lot of new young coins coming in which i do expect at some point uh yeah price could go quite insane what do you think we top out in the next what's your what's your strike price yeah i, I don't want to make any price picks. I, I know you don't <laughs> i don't why don't we all make should we all write one down and come back to it we don't have to tell them i just said 1.2 million right i promised no no, <laughs> no it's uh no i uh, i you know i have a um, holy enough. shit if we went to 1.2 million premier league here you come premier league yeah. here we come that, there is some cavats here i mean i i do think since the increase in in market cap it's all, it does become a little more difficult for the price to move. So that so even if we have a more, uh, if, we have, if we have a scarce of supply, I mean, we could it could still be harder to have the same amount of increases we did early on. You know, like so, so uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, for me, like I think yeah, 100k next cycle is like the bare minimum. You know, like uh, that, like all on based on the spiral, based on. Uh, on just available supply for trade, it, it seems very unlikely that we'll not surpass that. Yeah, and I wonder if if we did get up to those crazy numbers, then we would see more li liquid supply come in because there's people who have just come from, you know, I don't mean this to come across like a dick, but say you've got enough Bitcoin, you're worth a hundred thousand, you're suddenly a millionaire. It's like fuck. Well, I'm going to sell half of this. I can buy a house. I can't. Mm -hmm. So like people who just have such we, massive gains. We always see during bull markets that long-term holders are selling, you know, and taking profits. And I do think since we didn't reach prices, uh, you know, higher than a hundred k last cycle, that a lot, a lot of long-term holders are still sitting on their Bitcoin, kind of that they would have liked to maybe take more profit in the last cycle. And so maybe also more tempted to, to sell a bit of that if prices start reaching those levels. But you know no, no one ever takes profit. <laughs> That's one thing everyone's, everyone always expects it to go much higher than it does and no one ever takes profit. <laughs> yeah. So here, uh, yeah, here, so you can see these, uh, the, the, the conservative model and the, and the optimistic model of the supply. And so, so you can see that available supply is still trading below, like, or is, is still below the, the, the optimistic model here. And, and so, so that's, yeah, it's just a kind of amazing. Um, so here, yeah, I, I, uh, I still showed this demand curve. So imagine getting another spike of demand with like, uh, less, less supply in the next cycle. Um, yeah, I, I do think 2017 price increases, maybe less because we have an increased market cap, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we, uh, surpri if we surpass, uh, the, the, the last cycles, uh, increase, you know, in price. And uh, yeah, so I said I, I don't really like to make uh, price predictions like in the future because I, I also think on-chain is not 
like very good at predicting like the future, you know, like it's more, I think on, on chain is more valuable in, in telling like what's currently happening, like give me a block and I tell you what's happening. You know? yeah. Like, so, so, uh, if we, uh, but if we, so, so that we can, uh, so I made this on-chain value map, which actually uh, built a bit also uh, on Willy Wu's work. So the, the bottom indicator here is actually uh, uh, one of, uh, well, a bit adjusted, but uh, it, it's one of the indicators that Willy Wu uh, did, which is uh, um, uh, coin value days destroyed. So it, it, it looks at uh, how many coins, uh, how many days uh, a coin builds up and, and how many of those days are destroyed once once uh, there is a transaction of that coin. And so uh, it's kind of useful to make a bottom indicator. But the top indicator of this chart, I think, is very promising. And uh, that that is actually based on the average money invested in Bitcoin plus the available supply for trade. And it's a very simple indicator actually. And it, it gives uh, this near perfectly, like we touch this, this, this top line of this value map near perfectly uh, with each cycle. And, um, and so since Bitcoin is getting more scarce, also that line has kind of flattened out. So you can see in the, in the last, uh, in, in, the, in the current cycle, you see that that line kind of just stays relatively high. It's even higher than it was at the peak uh, in April, and that is because <laughs> available supply is shrinking. So that line kind of, uh, you know, is good. And, and yeah, considering it will, it will, so if, if more people start buying Bitcoin, so if new hype is coming in, then this red line will start to move up because there's more like uh, Bitcoin's average purchase price will move up. So there's more money flowing into Bitcoin, which kind of measures. And it also measures the available supply for trade. And, and so, so based on that, it's, I think it's, it's going to be one of the, of the better top indicators for, for next cycle. But you can, you cannot, I cannot predict into the future because I don't know how much money is going to be invested into Bitcoin over the next cycle. And I also don't know what trade of supply will be in the future. But we can look at the current moment. So as soon as this model, like as the, if, if Bitcoin's price starts kind of hitting this, this red line or it gets close to it, yeah, I think it will be like a, kind of become a top signal. Hmm. You know what I'm going to say, Danny? I don't go on. We can. We need some more Bitcoin. <laughs> we need more Bitcoin. We don't have enough Bitcoin. No one has enough Bitcoin. Sailor's going to be the richest person in the galaxy. Yeah, I do think so. Yeah, it's. Uh, I also need more Bitcoin. We all need more Bitcoin. It's amazing. I love your charts. I think it's brilliant. I think it's very cool. It's super interesting. There's a lot of uh, look. I understand. They're just models, and models can be broken. Yeah. But it's could, super interesting. The bit that just really interests me is the available supply starting to drop. That inflection point is super interesting. Yeah. And you have that against growing demand. And almost no one is talking about that, which is, uh, I mean, people say, yeah, Bitcoin is scarce, but here's actually the data showing Bitcoin is getting more scarce and, and kind of like not many people are paying attention to this. And so when you're well, thinking BitcoinStrategyPlatform.com, it's definitely, I'm definitely advertising that right now. Um, I can get live versions of these charts. Yeah. I am on. We need to subscribe to that. Ruth, that's amazing. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think, I mean, I kind of wanted to do the follow-up of the, of the last charts and uh, we went through them. So uh, unless you still want to discuss some football or... <laughs> no, I tell you what I want to do is I want to come back and have a chat with you in about, I think we need to do this in about a year. 
Yeah, just before the halving. Yeah, before or after? Yeah, yeah. around the halving would be a very interesting moment. What about halving day? Yeah. Why don't we do halving day together? Yeah. Do we know when that is? When it's just about it? April. But. Yeah, it's uh, the end of April. You know what that is? It's end of the foot. You know that that's end of the football season. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Harvin twenty twenty four. All right, root amazing. Do you want to reshow your platform? Tell people where to go. Yeah, you can go to bitcoinstrategyplatform.com and sign up. Uh, you get free newsletters, and if you become a paid subscriber, you get access to the platform with all these charts. How much is it? It's uh, it's twenty one dollars a month, but currently there's a limited thirty uh, percent discount, so it's. Uh, why are you discount? You do not. Dis- I would switch that discount off now. After we were here, this second we on it. You you've gone for twenty one dollars to be like a Bitcoin app. You you could charge way more for this. I I could. Yeah, it's a uh, it's extremely valuable info. I think. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're gonna sign up. Root, love you, man. Thank you for this. Thank you. All right, pretty bullish, right? Okay, if you haven't seen this spiral chart from Root, definitely go and check out the YouTube version. Go and see that. It's pretty mad how this always lines up. Now, we might not be in a bull market right now, but I've got a feeling things are going to get pretty good soon. It's looking good, man. And also, every bull market, we seem to have someone, something that drives the price. And we had the news yesterday that BlackRock is launching an ETF. Well, is it an ETF? Functionally, it may look like one. Technically, it might not be one. But if Larry is out there telling people that Bitcoin is a place to put your money, it could be pretty interesting. I know there's some people out there will be pro this, some will be against this especially as everything that's happened with Grayscale. But anyway, let's wait and see. Okay, any questions about this or anything else, then hit me up on my email. Tell her at whatbitcoindid.com.